How proxies and iOS 14.5 affect your podcast. Spoiler alert, it's potentially really bad. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the Audacity to Podcast.com. In summer 2021, iOS 14.5 introduced a major change to Apple Podcasts. And you might be thinking, well, why are we going back that far to that old version from a while back? It's because these changes have implications many podcasters may still not realize. And I bring this up quite often in the podcasting groups on Facebook, Reddit, on Twitter, and such. With this update, your audience on Apple Podcasts is no longer getting your podcast directly from your RSS feed, but from a proxy. And that has some potentially bad implications. I think potentially really bad, but I'll let you be the judge of that. And I do have some potential solutions. So this isn't a bad news episode, but the following does contain some definite strong opinions. If you want to follow along with the notes, go to the audacity to podcast.com slash proxies. That's spelled P-R-O-X-I-E-S or the show notes are a tap or swipe away inside of your app. So first, what is a proxy? A proxy is usually a substitution that stands in the middle and serves a copy of your podcast to your audience. In podcasting, we have two common types of proxies, a feed proxy and a media proxy. A feed proxy serves a copy of your podcast RSS feed to your audience instead of their getting your RSS feed directly from your original source, like your PowerPress feed or feed from your podcast hosting provider. A media proxy serves a copy of your podcast media files like mp3s mp4s stuff like that it serves those files a copy of them to your audience instead of your audience getting your episode media directly from your original source like your podcast hosting provider these are the two most common types of proxies in podcasting media proxies though are not that common and that's good because they can make accurate analytics difficult or even impossible You might remember many years ago how Stitcher used to download one copy of your episodes, then re-encode your episodes, and serve their copies of your episodes. That's a media proxy, or functions kind of like a media proxy. Stitcher did that in order to save bandwidth, but they've since stopped using a media proxy and have switched to full pass-through, which is where when someone downloads the episode of your podcast, they're downloading it from you. Stitcher is passing that request through to the original source. Spotify, however, still serves podcast media from their servers for some podcasts. Not all of them, some of them. And especially if you publish your podcast to Spotify through your podcast hosting provider, most likely that is passed through. You might remember a few years ago that Luminary, a podcast subscription service that tried to be the Netflix of podcasting, made a really bad first impression because they launched with all of the media for all of the podcasts that they had in their catalog, the million or so podcasts at that point. They were serving those podcasts with the media all going through a proxy for all of the podcasts. Now, Luminary did correct that later. And really, it would be best if all podcast apps supported pass-through. And most of them do. So those are media proxies, and those aren't as common. The main thing I want to talk about are feed proxies. You've actually already used a feed proxy if you ever used FeedBurner or Podcast Mirror. Interestingly, by the way, FeedBurner's update in 2022, and yes, they actually made some major updates. 
they now call each thing that you're creating with FeedBurner a proxy. Used to be it would say something like burn a feed and it would call them feeds. Now they call them proxies, which I think much better communicates what FeedBurner is actually providing, and that is a feed proxy. So it is a copy of your RSS feed served from somewhere else. And when you use a feed proxy and publish its feed, like from FeedBurner or Podcast Mirror, and I recommend Podcast Mirror if you're wondering, I still don't really recommend FeedBurner, but most of the deadly features have been stripped out of FeedBurner, and yet its podcasting features have still been really not updated in years. So that's why I suggest Podcast Mirror instead of FeedBurner if you just need a feed proxy. But if you're using one of these services or something else like that, that is copying your RSS feed and serving that copy, that service is hosting your RSS feed and it's getting the latest updates for your feed from the source. Like whether you're using Podcast Mirror or FeedBurner, there's some kind of option in it where it automatically checks or maybe it's pinged from your website. So it looks for new information from your RSS feed, then it updates its own cached copy and it serves that updated version. For example, when you follow the Audacity to Podcast in a podcast app, you're getting the feed from feeds.podcastmirror.com slash the audacity to podcast, or at least at this time, that's what you're getting it from. That's a proxy feed for the audacity to podcast.com slash feed slash podcast. That's my PowerPress feed, how I'm generating my podcast feed at this time. And if you try to visit that feed address on my own domain, that will actually redirect you back to the proxy so that the proxy takes the bandwidth. And that's a little spoiler right there. Why use a feed proxy? Feed proxies do have several benefits for both you and your audience when you are the one using the feed proxy. First, they save you bandwidth by serving a cached, high-performance copy of your feed from a content distribution network, otherwise known as a CDN, instead of serving that feed directly from your website. This can save a ton of bandwidth, even more than your media files use. And that's what's not so obvious about feeds. Consider this, for example. Imagine your RSS feed is half a megabyte. That doesn't seem too big in the internet world these days. Let's pretend that you have 100 podcast followers and you publish one 30 megabyte episode per week. So roughly 120 megabytes per month, 100 podcast followers. Your 100 followers would download that 30 megabyte file once for each episode resulting in just under about three gigabytes of bandwidth per week. But what about that half megabyte RSS feed? Most podcast apps have defaulted to checking feeds every hour, so that means that 100 devices are checking and potentially re-downloading your feed every hour. Even though the feed is only half a megabyte, the feed's bandwidth for those 100 devices checking every hour could total more than eight gigabytes per week. So your 30 megabyte episodes might total 3 gigabytes. The feed itself might total 8 gigabytes. And that just goes up based on how many people are downloading your feed and how frequently their apps are checking your feed. So this bandwidth savings is one of the biggest reasons to use your podcast hosting provider's feed or a feed proxy instead of hosting the feed on your own server. And I've done an episode all about this in the past. You can get that link in the notes for this episode. The second benefit of a feed proxy is for your audience. A proxied feed is usually hosted on a CDN, which distributes copies of the feed across the globe. So someone in Canada is downloading your feed from a server, probably in Canada. 
Someone on the West Coast is probably downloading it from a server on the West Coast, on the East Coast from the East Coast, and so on like that. And across the globe like that, downloading from something, a server that is physically located closer to them, so it downloads much more quickly. That provides a huge benefit to your audience, especially as their devices are checking it, but it's a benefit that they might not really notice. I've previously done a feed speed test of these different podcast hosting providers and found that although there were some differences, especially like SoundCloud is of course the slowest one, the differences didn't really matter for the most part. But still having it close to them and being distributed on the internet gives a great benefit of keeping the feed online and protected from any potential instability that your own website might have. So if you are creating your own RSS feed on your website, I highly recommend that you use a feed proxy. And what I like is Podcast Mirror, and that's provided by Blueberry. It's free to use as well, and it performs very well too. Podcast hosting providers like Captivate, Libsyn, or Buzzsprout already create high-performance CDN-hosted feeds for your podcast, so you don't have to use a feed proxy with them. But if you don't use your hosting provider's feed, you're generating it yourself or it's on your own server, then that's when you should use a feed proxy. In short, I think feed proxies are good for you as the podcaster to use and then distribute that feed as long as you can control that URL and where it gets information and where it potentially redirects if you ever need to redirect it in the future. And you can do that with Podcast Mirror, with FeedBurner, and some of these other services. So now that you know what a feed proxy is and its core benefits, I need to show you a potentially dark side of when a podcast app, and not you, but the podcast app itself, uses its own feed proxy for your podcast which became a notable issue when Apple released iOS 14.5 in the summer of 2021. So what did iOS 14.5 change? And this change has carried over into future versions of iOS as well. And I anticipate that this will work this way for the foreseeable future. The Apple Podcast Catalog offers millions of podcasts. You can go to podcastindustryinsights.com, another site that I run, to see the latest count of how many podcasts are in Apple Podcasts. When you look at a podcast in the catalog, you see the list of episodes from that podcast. And for Apple Podcasts to offer a fast experience, they need to download the information from your feed to serve an optimized copy inside their app. That's why we've often seen the complaint that a new episode didn't show in the Apple Podcast catalog immediately after it was published it wouldn't show until Apple Podcasts updated its own cached copy of the feed before iOS 14.5. This was merely a display issue that would eventually go away because the episode would eventually show up, but it would not affect your followers back then. We used to say that your followers could have access to your newest episodes as soon as your RSS feed was updated. Even if that episode didn't show in the cached Apple Podcast catalog, that's because Again, before iOS 14.5, your audience was subscribed directly to your RSS feed. So when something was new in your feed, your audience would have access to it, even if it wasn't in the catalog yet. But iOS 14.5 changed that, and I have some major concerns about that change. With iOS 14.5, Apple sought to make the podcast library, and that's where you have all the shows you follow inside of your Apple Podcast app, They wanted that library to match the experience of the podcast catalog, which is where podcasts are available for finding and adding to your library by following them. 
The Apple Podcast Catalog still works the same as it did before, but now anyone who follows your podcast from the catalog, that is where they browse to your podcast or they clicked on your Apple Podcast link and they see it in the catalog and they tap on that follow button, they are getting your podcast feed, not the media files themselves, but the feed from Apple's feed proxy instead of directly from your feed. Now, first of all, this brings huge performance benefits. Let's go back to that example of your podcast with 100 followers. Instead of those 100 followers checking your podcast potentially every hour of every day, remember the eight gigabytes of bandwidth that that would require, the Apple podcast servers now do that for your followers and push any updates to the 100 followers using Apple podcasts. This significantly reduces the bandwidth and computing needs from 100 checks every time, maybe that's every hour, to only one check every time. And this infinitely scales up without increasing demand on your server. It could be 10,000 checks from 10,000 followers are now one check by Apple servers. A million followers, one check from Apple servers. And that one check by Apple servers is still done frequently in order to catch new episodes as soon as possible. But it's one server looking for new episodes instead of hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands or more separate devices looking for that episode. It's one device frequently checking for new episodes. And anyone who followed your podcast from the catalog before iOS 14.5 was migrated to using Apple's feed proxy. So you don't have to worry about asking your audience to unfollow and refollow the exact same podcast just so you get the performance benefits. You get those benefits automatically because they were moved over after iOS 14.5. That's the good stuff. That's the good side of where Apple changed. But there's a potentially dark side of Apple's own feed proxy or really any app's own feed proxy. And this is where some of my opinion comes in. But this opinion is backed by some research and some tests. Those first few months following iOS 14.5 were, oh man, they were so rough. Many podcasters wouldn't see their newest episodes being available for days after they published them. And that's a terrible thing to happen to a daily podcaster. And it's also bad for a weekly podcaster. The episode's not even downloading for days. That's because after iOS 14.5, people were subscribed to Apple's feed proxy, not your RSS feed. So you are at Apple's mercy. Apple's new system was really having a difficult time updating the millions of podcasts or it wasn't updating them often enough. And this affected only Apple Podcasts, the catalog, and the people using Apple Podcasts to listen to your podcast. Since then, though, Apple has significantly improved their system so that the updates happen much more quickly. I've seen some people say that they see their feed getting hit by Apple. I think it was uh, James Cridlin from Pod News reported that his feed at one time was getting hit about every six minutes from Apple servers looking for a new episode. That's nice. And again, that's one server checking every six minutes. That's not tens, hundreds, or thousands of devices checking every six minutes. One server. And if you're still in a place where your episodes aren't showing up very quickly, the best thing you can do to ensure those episodes show up, and it's the same thing as before, is really to publish consistently at the exact same time with each episode. So if it's 8 a.m. on Mondays, publish 8 a.m. exactly every Monday. Stick to that schedule every time as much as possible. 
most publishing tools now allow you to schedule when a new episode publishes. So that makes it a lot easier for you to be consistent without having to exactly precisely time when you press the publish button. Now, of course, this won't be reasonable for every podcast, especially a TV after show podcast that maybe needs to publish their episodes as soon as possible on the same night the TV episode airs. So, of course, there are some exceptions, but as much as possible, try to publish at the exact same time. And Apple servers seem to learn that schedule and seem to start to try to expect a new episode around that time. Nevertheless, you might still see some delays when you publish in a new episode to when it shows up in Apple Podcasts. And that's now both the catalog and for your followers on Apple Podcasts. But there's a potentially darker side to this that more people need to know. And this is what I'm trying to spread the word about in Facebook groups and Reddit and other places. And I have some strong opinions about this. By using their own feed proxy for your show, Apple Podcasts now has, but might not use this, but they now have, I know this is strong language here, communist level control over your podcast. Since your audience who followed your podcast through Apple's catalog now gets your podcast from Apple's feed proxy instead of directly from your feed, Apple could potentially prevent your audience from downloading a particular episode, prevent your audience from receiving any future updates of your podcast, effectively canceling your podcast, or even, and I really don't think they do this, but they could even replace one of your episodes with their own episode media. Now, will they? I'll share some thoughts on that in a moment. So if Apple doesn't like your podcast, they do now have the power, and that's why I call it communist-level power, to completely disconnect you from your audience on Apple Podcasts or even change your message without you or your audience ever knowing. But would Apple actually use this power? I'll cite a controversial example. A few years ago, podcaster Alex Jones saw several of his shows, most notably InfoWars, kicked out of podcast apps and directories. Now, this is not a comment for or against Alex Jones or any of the claims for or against him. This is just an example, and it's a really good example to use for this. Now, that happened before iOS 14.5. So when his show was kicked out of Apple Podcast, they removed it from the catalog which prevented new followers from being able to find his show in the catalog. But manually adding the RSS feed would still work. That expulsion did not affect his existing followers back then because they could continue getting his episodes from the RSS feed to which they were directly connected. However, I suspect the show might not work for those followers anymore after iOS 14.5 because of being migrated but I couldn't find someone to help confirm this. So if you follow Alex Jones's show, you followed it before iOS 14.5 and you still follow it, please let me know if you saw anything change where maybe you've stopped seeing new episodes since summer 2021. I'd love to hear some firsthand experience about that. And no judgment, whatever your side is, no judgment. I just want some research. But if that situation had happened after iOS 14.5, then Jones's followers on Apple Podcasts would have been completely disconnected from his podcast. They would have completely stopped receiving his new episodes. It would have looked like he had completely stopped podcasting because the episodes would just stop. The podcast would still be in their libraries, but no new episodes. And thus, he wouldn't have been able to get out even a resubscribe here announcement or anything like that because he was completely cut off. Even though his audience still had his podcast in their libraries, 
they would have been subscribed if this happened to him after iOS 14.5, they would have been following Apple's feed proxy instead of his RSS feed. Now, that's a political case. The same kind of thing would happen in other cases too. Like if a podcast was kicked out of Apple Podcasts for keyword spamming, I've done an episode about that previously, or if they were kicked out for chart manipulation, no contact whatsoever with the audience until the podcast was restored in Apple Podcasts. And this also happens if you willingly deactivate a podcast through your Podcast Connect account. I've tried this. I have a podcast that was listed on Apple Podcasts. I delisted it inside of my Podcast Connect account and I published a test episode and I was already following the podcast from the catalog in my library in Apple Podcasts and that test episode never showed up until I reactivated the listing through Apple's Podcast Connect. That episode was always in the RSS feed during that downtime of the catalog listing, but it never went out in the app because the app was getting the podcast information from Apple, not from my RSS feed. Now, I know these are some some big words, some big claims on my part. And I reached out to Apple for an official response to this and some of my concerns, but they declined to comment. I can't really blame them for declining to comment either. Maybe they wanted this control. I really wouldn't be surprised if they wanted to have this kind of control because these days the concepts of misinformation, disinformation, malinformation, all of this kind of stuff, there's a lot of controversy out there. And at some point I want to do an episode to talk about some of that. So I'll save my thoughts for that later. But I really wouldn't be surprised if Apple made this change knowing the kind of control it gave them maybe because they wanted that kind of control. Now, I've been targeting Apple primarily in saying this. You need to know that Spotify, Stitcher, and some other podcast apps and platforms also use their own feed proxies. Apple is merely the first most prominent podcast app to switch from direct connections to RSS feeds to using their own feed proxy. These other platforms have done it from day one. Stitcher was probably the first to use their own feeds for podcasts because they would download your episode, re-encode it, reserve it that way for bandwidth purposes. And by the way, for the record, Stitcher was also the first podcast app to kick out Alex Jones's show. Apple and Spotify were just the more prominent ones. But Spotify also does this for some podcasts, hosting their own copy of your RSS feed. So if you're kicked out of Spotify, you lose your connection with your audience in Spotify. And I think Google Podcasts and Amazon Music slash Audible do this as well, but I haven't tested these other platforms as much as I've tested Apple Podcasts. And it's a little difficult to test some of these other services as well with some of this. So, hello, censorship? Maybe? When a podcast app has its own proxy of your podcast feed, that gives them communist level control over what your audience gets from you. Thus, This makes your podcast no longer safe from corporate or government censorship. Before you think this is a concern for only conspiracy theorists, I urge you to realize that it could affect anyone. Imagine if Apple wanted to crack down on leaks discussed in the Mac Rumors podcast or 9to5Mac or any Mac or Apple-related podcast. Or imagine if Spotify wanted to prevent your audience from hearing about other streaming music services. Or imagine if your state or country starts forbidding content deemed illegal in that state or country, and then they get these podcast apps to censor your podcast. 
some countries already block all explicit content. And it seems like China, where, as I understand it, there's not even a word for censorship, and you're not allowed in China to discuss China's censorship. They are censoring censorship. And China blocks almost everything, even the audacity to podcast. I mean, the audacity to block the audacity to podcast. So this could affect you, no matter your political leaning, left, right, center, far out, whatever. Now, will Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and others actually exercise such censorship? I think the likelihood is extremely low for most of us, but they have done it before, like with Alex Jones's shows, or shows that discussed a particular virus from 2019 and and some other situations I know of. And now Apple has greater control to do it again. Some of these other companies had that control from the beginning of offering podcasts within their systems. Apple has now given themselves that control to have that level of censorship. But keep in mind, this is only in the context of what you add from each app's catalog, or if you're searching inside of that app or clicking on a link from that app's listing of your podcast. Apple Podcasts and nearly all other podcast apps still allow users to manually add any RSS feed to their personal libraries, and the app will not have any control over it, at least not right now, and that's probably going to be the way that it remains. And in my opinion, by the way, to be a good podcast app, the app must allow this kind of manual addition of an RSS feed. So yes, that means I don't consider Spotify to be a good podcast app. So even if your podcast was publishing illegal content, by whatever standard, even Apple still lets you manually add it to your library in Apple Podcasts by manually following the RSS feed, just not from the catalog. I do think it's potentially in their rights for any of these podcast apps to disallow particular content in their own catalogs. If Apple wanted to ban all podcasts about Android or Windows operating systems from appearing in their catalog, they have the right to do so. There are plenty of other podcast apps that might filter or censor differently, or not at all. So audiences still have a choice, and podcasters can still build an audience. I think there is also a fair case to make against any kind of free speech censorship, at least in the United States of America, where that is a constitutional right, when a particular platform or service is used by a large portion of the market. In other words, when something becomes so big that it's like a public town square of the internet. And such freedom-protecting legislation is already in progress in different states and even maybe at a nationwide level, at least in the United States. But what level that requires the company to be or what size or what amount of usage, that's all up for discussion and debate in other places. Here's the thing. If you feel you have a legitimate reason to be afraid of corporate or government censorship, then promote only direct means of adding your RSS feed instead of promoting catalog listings. Just keep in mind that if you do this, you'll have to accept that you won't get any ratings, reviews, ranking, or proprietary analytics from those catalogs because the manual edition process bypasses any catalog features. This is kind of somewhat similar to Netflix, Amazon Prime, and similar video streaming services. And these are some of the closest examples I could think of of similar practices or potential practices. In these premium video streaming services, I do have a little bit of experience that's kind of like this sort of podcast situation. 
let's consider the TV show The X-Files. I never watched the whole X-Files series, but at some point I wanted to pick up where I last left off by streaming it for free at that time through Amazon Prime because it was available for free for a while. But then Prime no longer offered the show for free. I could only continue watching the show by buying it or renting it from Amazon Prime or going somewhere else. Amazon wasn't censoring the show. They weren't actually disallowing me from watching it. I only couldn't watch it for free anymore through my Prime Video membership. But I could rent the show. I could maybe find it on another streaming service. Or I could borrow it from my public library or buy the discs myself. Movies and shows frequently leave streaming services due to licenses. That simply means you have to get the content some other way. Apple Podcasts and these other top podcast platforms are similar in that they're simply excluding certain content in their proprietary catalogs and the systems fed from those catalogs, like the Apple Podcast Search API that many other podcast apps use. Now, there is a a technical aside here for the iTunes block tag that you may have heard me talk about in regards to explicit episodes. Some of the currently 175 countries with Apple Podcasts block explicit content from their catalogs. If your show was otherwise normally clean or unmarked, a single explicit episode could get your show kicked out of those regional catalogs. Before iOS 14.5, that wouldn't affect your existing audience because they could still get your show from the RSS feed and in fact still get that episode, the explicit episode. But now, getting kicked out of a region's catalog disconnects you from your audience in that region. There is a slight workaround for that single episode situation. You could add the iTunes block tag to that episode in your RSS feed, and your publishing tool should allow you to do that. And that would block that episode from showing in the Apple Podcast catalog and thus prevent your podcast from being kicked out of those few explicit blocking regions. If you did that prior to iOS 14.5, your followers could still get that blocked episode because they were connected directly to your RSS feed. But since iOS 14.5, your followers will never get that blocked episode because it's blocked from the feed proxy. Thus, iTunes block now completely blocks that episode from Apple Podcast followers unless they had manually added your RSS feed to their library. So, is there a solution to this? Yeah, I think so. And it's podcasting 2.0. Here's the the call to action, the sales pitch. It's not a sales pitch. You're not buying anything with podcasting 2.0. I think podcasting 2.0 provides better solutions in all regards to the issues and problems that this potentially raises. Podcasting 2.0 and the Open Podcast Index were started before iOS 14.5 was released, but Apple's update with 14.5 made the need for podcasting 2.0 and the podcast index so much bigger. I see two relevant solutions that Podcasting 2.0 provides. Number one, a censorship-free podcast catalog. The Open Podcast Index catalog is free from corporate and government censorship. The goal of Podcast Index is to include every podcast unless opted out by the podcaster. But even Podcasting 2.0 compliant apps can block whatever they want from their own catalogs. And that leads to another benefit of the podcast index. If your show is kicked out of Apple Podcasts, it's also removed from the search and catalog data that many other apps use, making your podcast unfindable in those apps 
but probably not affecting your existing listenership in those apps. So Apple's actions can affect many other apps, but since Podcast Index doesn't censor, there's no one entity in control of whether your podcast appears in dozens of other apps that use Podcast Index. Now, if you, as the podcaster, opt to remove your podcast from Podcast Index, it would then be removed from the search that all of those other apps use that integrate with the Podcast Index. So that's number one, a censorship-free podcast catalog. Number two, a better way to catch and distribute podcast updates. Podcasting 2.0 created the Podping protocol, which offers an extremely fast and amazingly resource-efficient system to catch and distribute episodes and updates from podcast feeds, whether that's merely a changed title or a new episode and more. So instead of a slow and resource-costly farm of servers scraping millions of RSS feeds looking for if there's anything new and trying to learn an update schedule to be able to catch when new episodes are expected, Podpeen provides a way for podcast updates to be written to the Hive blockchain. Now, please don't let that scare you away. And those updates can then be monitored with a service that's so small and so fast, you could run it on a Raspberry Pi or probably with the processing power of an Apple Watch. It is so lightweight. And if you want to see more technical information about this, check out podping.cloud. And I have that link in the episode notes for some more technical information. And if you want to just watch to see a preview of how this works and see new podcasts showing up as updated, then go to podping.watch to see the updates displayed in real time. So those are two great benefits that Podcasting 2.0 provides that help overcome these issues and help protect you and your podcast. So with this information, I've raised some concerns, I've raised some alarms, some things that I really think podcasters need to know that has changed. So what should you do? I created this primarily to inform you and partially to warn you. I think there are four most important takeaways with this information. Number one, use Podcast Mirror or another feed proxy for feeds that you host on your own website server. Because of the performance benefits, the stability benefits, I think it would be great. Number two, know that Apple Podcasts and some other apps might not deliver your new episodes as quickly as you want until they support Podcasting 2.0 with the Podpeen protocol. You can ask them to support that. Number three, if you're worried about censorship, promote only manual follow methods with your RSS feed instead of promoting catalog listings. Should everyone do this? No, probably not. And most podcasters are probably okay to promote their catalog listings. But if you are worried about your podcast and any potential censorship, then promote only methods that you can control. And number four, ask your podcast hosting provider and your favorite podcast apps to support Podcasting 2.0 and the Podpeen protocol. I hope this has been helpful. I hope that you feel more informed now about some of the risks, some of the potential concerns, and you can take appropriate action if even necessary in your case. And I really think most people don't need to be worried about this, but I do think more podcasters need to be aware of the potential here and get on board with Podcasting 2.0. So if you want to reference any of this information or share this out or anything like that, go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash proxies. That's P-R-O-X-I-E-S. 
to share this episode, tweet it, send it to someone, and use this as a resource to help yourself and others understand some of the risks that come along with podcast apps using feed proxies. And maybe we can get some of these places to change, but probably not, realistically. And some of these links might be only a tap or swipe away inside of your podcast app as well. And now that I've given you some of the guts, and I hope that you do have the guts even after hearing about this, and I've taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go start and grow your own podcast for passion or profit. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com and on Twitter at the Daniel J. Lewis. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.